the pen is mightier than the sword. My tagline is your voice heard through the written word. That is what I provide for my clients when I gauge them in content writing, blog writing, other marketing collateral that they need in the written word. From pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's the Communication Commandments, a presentation of Boston Edits. Now here's your host, Kim Calvi. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in again today to another pe- uh, presentation by Boston Podcast Network on behalf of Boston Edit. Today, I'm so pleased to have one of Boston Edit's first clients ever, attorney Peter Herbst, who has an estate planning practice on the South Shore. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kim, for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So I want to launch right into it because last time you and I spoke, you were saying that you've been very busy. I mean, you are busy anyway, but you've said in the last several months, business has really turned up a notch or two. So I wanted to explore that with you today as it relates to your estate planning practice. My question though, because what you and I had discussed before was that estate planning is not as simple and straightforward. I mean, there are certain areas, uh, sub areas to it apparently, such as pre-planning, trust and estate trust and estate administration, and even elder law. And so your practice encompasses all of that, correct? What percentage do you spend on any one of those? We certainly assist individuals and families in all those different areas. And on a given month, I would say that, you know, maybe about 60% of what we're working on is meeting with people, putting together plans that minimize probate, minimize taxes, and carry out their intentions. And, you know, typically around 40% of our activities are working with people who have lost a loved one, helping them administer estates, trusts, working on estate tax returns, Mm -hmm. and implementing these plans that have been put in place during someone's lifetime. I see. Okay. So that, yeah. So there's a lot of communication between you and your clients, a lot of, I would think, drilling down into what their specific circumstances are, what their needs are, and certainly as they're planning what their final wishes would be for their surviving family members, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Figuring out, you know, no two situations are exactly the same. And so we we try to figure out exactly what's going to work best for the client that's sitting in front of us. Very good. Now, I noticed that you have LLM after your name. What does that mean um, exactly? Like, what are those initials even, what's that acronym even stand for? And how does that increase your value add to clients? Does that mean you understand tax laws like a tax attorney? To what degree do, you know, does that come into play in in what you offer to your clients? So when I got out of law school, I practiced in uh, real estate and estate planning for almost four years. And then I realized that so much of what we do as estate planners is impacted by the tax code. And it's not just estate taxes, but it's also income taxes and gift taxes. And so I went to Boston University for three glorious years of night school, driving into town after work and staying until like 9, 9.30. They've actually got a, a great program there. And after all that hard work, the degree that I got is called a Master's of Laws in Taxation. And the LLM is basically the, the Latin of that degree. And it's definitely not a lot of attorneys have that, but I think that in this practice area, you tend to see more and more attorneys that have 
the tax degree because whether it's a high net worth individual or you know income taxes impact people at all different levels of wealth so it's great to be able to spot those opportunities when someone can put together an estate plan that actually saves their beneficiaries taxes That's excellent. so so it sounds to me like your LLM, that, that time that you put in those three glorious years at BU, <laughs> driving in after work, that practical education is exactly that. It's practical education that you're able to offer enhanced value add for your clients. I, I mean, you must be able to cite some examples where someone's presented a situation to you or a circumstance and, and right away you've been able to draw on that information that the LLM provided for you, correct? Can you cite an example? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just I think a couple of weeks ago, especially with real estate values skyrocketing, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with clients who are thinking about selling property, whether that's property that they've lived in for 50 years or that their parents have lived in for 50 years. And, you know, there's a lot of different factors that come into play on whether or not it's an appropriate time to sell real estate. But one of the big factors is that, you know, property that a parent may have bought for $25,000 in 1963 might now be worth $1.2 million. And if they sell it today, Mm -hmm. the IRS and Department of Revenue are going to be very happy and they're going to be getting a significant payout at the closing table. Mm -hmm. Whereas if property is held until a parent passes away, owning that property there may be opportunities to eliminate certain taxes. So, you know, a lot of decisions are, are driven by the tax planning side of it. So it, it shouldn't be the only factor. And oftentimes it's not the most important factor, but it certainly is a large factor to, to plan through. I would think so. I mean, if it comes down to property that's increased in value to such a degree that you family members, I would think, would want to be responsible and, and look at all of the the implications so as to minimize what they'd have what they would have to pay the IRS or anybody else. They'd rather just keep it in the family and leave it to family members who can benefit from it probably, I don't want to say more profitably, but would certainly appreciate it more, I would think. Yeah. Yes, certainly. Now can you we you mentioned at the very beginning here gifting plans. What exactly does that entail? I mean I would think that there might that might be a complicated estate plan nuance. Is that, is it at all? Or is it kind of run of the mill? You know, people consider gifting assets for a number of different reasons, but two of the more common reasons would be to reduce taxes and to potentially protect assets in the future from creditors or to be eligible for certain government benefits. So Hmm. gifting, I think, can be some of the more complex work that we do because these plans often involve irrevocable decisions where a client is going to sign a document giving up certain rights to property and we want to make sure that they understand the benefit of giving something like that away as well as the negatives you know what are they giving up um, that a year from now, they're not going to have control over, and are they comfortable with that? So now, how do you explain all of that to a client? Because obviously, there are tax implications, and most people don't speak tax. So how do you communicate that to your clients so that they walk away from your office with a complete understanding or a thorough understanding with you know questions kept to a minimum 
how do they how do you explain all of this to them in a way that they are able to digest the every planning measure that we do we try to condense it into a easily understood summary letter that outlines you know often we'll have bulleted lists of these are the pros and these are the cons because okay. i know that i can't hand a client a 40 page trust document and they'll <laughs> instantly recognize oh you know oh article 11 I need to read that closely because that impacts my rights. It's much, you know, they're hiring us for us to explain it to them. You know, I think that's one one of the first projects that you and I worked on, Kim, was streamlining some of those summary letters and making sure that they are understandable to somebody who doesn't have a law degree, who doesn't have a tax degree, so that they can understand it. You know, we do use pictures, graphs to illustrate a lot of these things to, I always try to pick up on how is a particular client going to understand something best. And I think that one of the instances that I always think about was a complex gifting plan that was actually proposed by a different attorney, but my client and their financial advisor left that meeting with the feeling that They thought that it was a great plan, but they didn't have any idea of how it worked or any of the details. Hmm. And so they took it to me to explain it to them. And I quickly realized that my client had an engineering background. And so some of these summary letters just weren't clearly explaining to him how this was going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, being that he's an engineer and being that I have used Excel for decades, uh, (laughs) the spreadsheet program, I converted his plan into an Excel spreadsheet where I I could show him how assets were going to be gifted, what percentages uh, were going to each child, the tax impact of that. And it was very satisfying to push that spreadsheet across the table during a meeting and just watch him you know, have that moment where he finally realized what this was going to do. And not only did he, he realize what that plan was going to do, but he knew it well enough from that spreadsheet that he could start changing it. And he was able to come back and say, I don't want to do 66%. I want to drop that to 45%. You know, he could actually manipulate it. It was like, I taught him how to play the piano and then he just started playing his own songs. Uh, Oh, wow. That's a great analogy. Yeah. That's wonderful. All right. Yeah, so, that was a good experience. So it sounds to me like you use both sides of your brain to think because if you uh, have a degree in, you know, an LLM degree, you're obviously good with tax code and understanding it and putting it in, in a way that you can communicate it to a client who literally thinks in numbers. And yeah. if, but also, I, I, like you had mentioned, you and I collaborated. And I remember putting together an index for you, which was basically here. Here's what the word is. Here, here's what it. And then I had to define it. And I remember creating that index so that we could give it to your clients. They could walk away from your office. And if they had a question about, well, what does this word mean? I keep seeing it. They could flip back to the index and it would click with them. So it yeah. sounds to me like you're very good at a and using both sides of your brain to reach out to your clients to communicate in a way that they best understand so they have a full grasp on the plan you're putting together for them. That's wonderful. Would you agree with would you agree yeah. with what I just yeah. said? That's how you, that's the value add you offer? Yeah, we're always trying to make sure that's being conveyed and that they walk out understanding what's going on. That's very good. Uh, and now I would think too because estate planning can get very complex in terms of the different dynamics of families. Uh, these days, right? I mean, I would think that, you know, like you mentioned, you have the, you know, the grandparents or the great grandparents who lived in the house, 
you know, where they raised their six kids. So now they've got, you know, 30 grandchildren and I don't know, 50 great grandchildren or something like that. And they've got, you know, they've, they've got all these assets. And then you might have a single mother who has two children, you know, maybe from, you know, a couple of different fathers because she was married before and their, that husband passed away and their assets there. And, you know, then she remarried and, you know, it, it, so now she's getting older. She's got two kids. You know, I, I would think that there would be, because of those varying scenarios that you have to have a lot of different types of documents to basically tailor to your clients. I mean, you can explain it like you do, but I would think that the documents that they have to sign pretty much have to be tailored and individualized. Is that true? Yeah. You know, a lot of it, we do an an intake meeting where our goal is to try to figure out exactly what does that particular client need Mm -hmm. to have put in place to achieve the goals that they're looking to accomplish. And it's, you know, it's funny sometimes when people, you know, they describe a very complex, you know, maybe a second marriage situation and they'll say things like, what do you typically do in this situation? And, you know, we can give some guidance and suggest options. But, you know, there's, as I said, you know, there's rarely identical situations, Mm -hmm. you know, things are really tailored to each individual's um, needs to make sure that they understand it and that their goals are being accomplished. Have you ever had a situation that's contrary to the one you were just Describing. You talked about the engineer and you put everything in an Excel spreadsheet and he was able to manipulate the spreadsheet based on how he understood it and what he wanted. Have you ever had somebody come to your office and they, you know, after mom or dad has passed away and there was a second marriage involved and the surviving children, they were surprised with this, the situation that they were left with. And it was, it could have been, I don't know, maybe a disappointing situation or an upsetting situation. Have you ever unfortunately had cases like that in front of you? Yeah. You know, I I think that there's unfortunately a lot of estate planning that takes place that people don't even realize that they're engaged in estate planning and that they're not looking at the full picture. And I think that, you know, some of my, some of the worst situations that I've seen are cases where you've got a, a second marriage and each person is bringing children from a prior relationship to that marriage. And without really careful, thorough estate planning, things can go awry very quickly. You know, and one of the scenarios that I always think about is a plan where husband in the second marriage, he passed away first and he had designated his wife, his second wife, as the beneficiary of all of his retirement accounts, which constituted more than half of his net worth. Mm -hmm. And he died first, all those retirement assets passed to his second wife. And I represented one of his children who could not believe that was the intended result. And that Mm -hmm is they could not believe that the dad just basically disinherited the children from all those assets because everything went to the second wife and the children of the first marriage did not have a very good relationship at all with the um, second wife. So, you know, I think, you know, that would be a case that if you can get that type of case on the planning side, you can walk through and say, 
to that husband, you know, if you die first, do you really want mm-hmm. 50% of your assets to completely go outright to your second wife, meaning that your children might never receive a dollar of these benefits. You know, I think that's one of the values of a estate planner on the front end, mm-hmm. asking sure. probing questions like that to make sure that people understand the the consequences of their decisions. Okay. And so to dovetail on that, when you've had a situation like that, and there's been, I would think, so surviving children are dismayed by what what little they've been left with. Is that when probate court gets involved and, and there's a dispute over those assets? It certainly can raise to that level where, you know, when people don't like the outcome of an estate plan, you know, the, they'll look for any way they can to disrupt and challenge that outcome. And that can be through probate litigation or other ways of resolving that dispute. We actually don't handle any probate litigation. We're just too busy on the planning side and tax planning side that if we have litigation matters, we always refer that work out. Okay. All right. Very good. So then it would seem to me then that your enhanced value add that you offer your clients is an understanding of a deep understanding of the tax code. You're very good at adept at explaining that to your clients. You've got the documents in place so that they walk away from your office having a, a layman's understanding of the type of plan that you're putting together for them so they can feel confident in that, and that you go to great lengths to make sure that they know the plan. Currently right now, who is your ideal client? You know, I think one of the nice things about our practice is that we've got a a great variety of clients, whether it's young couples who just have their first child, who just need a basic estate plan to protect that newborn, up to people who are retired and have amassed significant assets and want to make sure that those assets go to the family and not to the taxing authorities. So I, I like that variety, having a multitude of different scenarios to work on. I feel that one of the client types that we're really well positioned to assist with are families who are in the one to $10 million range that are planning around the Massachusetts estate tax and looking for ways to minimize that tax and pass assets to family members outside of probate. So that's an area that we can really help because it's that kind of integration of estate planning and tax planning. I see. Okay, very good. So now where can our listeners find you? I know you're on the South Shore, but where specifically? I'm in South Braintree Square for people who know Braintree, but Braintree is home of the Braintree split, you know, so easy access to the highways. And as a result, we pull a lot of clients right out of Boston, Metro West and the South Shore. It's pretty convenient. We are having nearly all of our meetings right now via Zoom. The only meetings that we have in person are for signing meetings so that Mm -hmm. people can sign in front of witnesses and a notary public. And all our contact information is available on our website at herbstlawgroup.com. Okay. And I believe on your website too, there's, you have this nice little feature, schedule a meeting with attorney Peter Herbst. That's a nice call to action. Do you still have that on your website? Yeah, that's still there. Yep. Good. Okay. It's a great way to see the calendar in live mm-hmm. format and schedule your own meeting. Okay, very good. And do you have a, a LinkedIn profile, a Twitter account, a Facebook page? You must have social media, a, a social media presence elsewhere as well. Correct? Two out of the three. Of us. So okay. LinkedIn two? and LinkedIn, we've got a profile and okay. we do uh, 
post a lot on Facebook. You know, there's probably, there's a lot of posts on a monthly basis going up on Facebook. Have not done much with Twitter. I don't know why, but. Um, hey, we all, we all choose, you know, what, what platforms work best for each one of us. So, but you've got a website and you've got a Facebook page. And I would say those are probably the two most popular. So for people to reach out to you. So that's excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today, Peter. It's thank you, Kim. Privilege. Yeah, it's been a real privilege to have you on the show. And I'd love to have you back at some point too, especially in case there are tax codes that change that impact estate planning. It'd be great to have you yeah. back on the show to discuss that specifically when the time comes. So please keep me apprised of that and we'll schedule you to have you back. Sounds good. Thanks, right. Kim. Thank you so much for your time today, Peter. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Yeah, this is producer Dave chiming in here. Kim, if you could please let our listeners know where they can get in touch with you. Oh, sure. So my name is Kim Calvey. I am the owner of Boston Edits. My email address is kim at bostonedits.com. My website is www.bostonedits.com. I do have a LinkedIn profile using my full name, Kimberly Calvey. And I do have a Twitter account, but the best way to reach me is on my website or my email um, or my LinkedIn profile. And what's what's that tagline that everybody loves, Kim? Your voice heard through the written word. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to the Communication Commandments with Kim Calvey. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And thanks so much for listening.